We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So Ryan, yep. Thank you for sharing the recruiting updates. Let's let's talk a little Notre Dame football, man. That's and it. Uh, you know, the season is nine days away from the from fall camp starting. And we're going to continue kind of up to camp and then through camp. We're going to continue just kind of previewing the team and, and everything that we think we see. Yesterday we talked about the sophomore players on offense, and we've talked about how the sophomore class from Notre Dame on offense was loaded in 2021. The defensive class was a little bit shakier, right? They had some misses and, and didn't get some guys. And and what's interesting is if you look at the class, I mean, even though they're just now going into their their uh, you know into their their sophomore seasons, they've already lost some guys from that class, you know. And and yeah. it's been the defensive side that's really been the one, you know, that that they've had the losses. Obviously, we remember last year when Devin Upow had to leave, which wasn't a, a, a normal transfer from what we under what we were told Devin really liked Notre Dame and and wanted to be at Notre Dame but there was a legitimate family situation that caused him to have to go back home so he went to UCLA Notre Dame understood it he, apparently the kid was upset about it but you know faith we understand family has to kind of come first and then obviously Kahanu Kia we knew when they signed him that he was probably going on, going on a Mormon mission after his freshman year which he is he is gone, and then of course JoJo Johnson uh, transferred and was no longer going to be allowed to be back on the football team. So they've already seen some departures from this group. Oh, and Kerry G uh, transferred after the season was over with. So that was actually, I believe, between the coaching transition mm-hmm. is when he transferred. He transferred to Georgia Tech. So it was not a great defensive line class, or defensive class anyway, and it's been it's been hit with some departures. Having said that. There's no doubt that this group is not going to be expected to be what the offensive group is, which has got to be starters and impact players and all that type of stuff. But I still think this sophomore class could have a, a significant impact on this football team this year, and that's what we want to talk about today. Is just look, they're not going to they're not going to have the flashy, sexy roles like the offensive counterparts are. But there's Notre Dame needs some guys from this class to step up in 2022. A hundred percent. I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll work through obviously defensive line, linebackers, secondary, all, all, you know, kind of touching everyone. But I think Brian, for me, I mean, there's a couple of guys that I think it could surprise. Absolutely. That we're going to talk about today, but more than anything, I mean, they need some depth out of a couple of these guys, man. Like they need to be able to play some football. Is it going to be to the degree that a Lorenzo styles is going to play football? Tyler Butler is going to play football. Absolutely not, but they're still important, important players for this team from the depth perspective, especially for a team. And I know you talk about this all the time. Notre Dame defensively wants to be able to rotate, right? But the only, the only way that you can rotate as much as you want is to have guys that are ready to play, right? So you're not going to force rotations with guys that aren't ready to play football. So I think the 2020, 2021 class, right? This would be, is I know, man, it's just all, it's all meshing together. right? They're rising sophomores and they're like three classes ago from what we were just talking about. I mean, it's like yesterday, man. I talked about Cain Barang, and it just feels like he's been there for six years. You know, yeah. it's only going to be his second year, right? Yeah. So, 
Yeah, the 2021 crew on the defensive side of the football, they have to be ready to play because I think that that's how Notre Dame defensively wants to be able to play. Rotate players in, keep players fresh, keep players healthy, and be able to to really march out, you know, just kind of lines of players. Mm-hmm. I mean, especially on the defensive line, I think I, – I mean, I think that the situation you want to get to eventually is – and maybe you can never can, but – you want to be a Georgia, you want to be an Alabama where like the second unit is just as good as the first unit, right? Like they just trot them out and it's just consistently good football players. So I think there's a lot of, a lot of intrigue to how much these sophomores are going to play this year on the defensive side of the football. But I also am really excited to see who, who can just kind of fulfill a role that maybe isn't sexy, maybe isn't flashy, but is important to this football team. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Trade Coffee sent us two new flavors after my wife filled out their quiz. Big City French Roast from Joe Coffee in New York City and Black Velvet from Atomic Coffee Roasters in Massachusetts. The Black Velvet was a dark roast with a note of burnt sugar, graham cracker, and malted milk balls. It was a very rich but smooth flavor that reminded her a bit of her favorite dessert, creme brulee. The Big City French Roast was also a dark roast, which is right up my wife's alley. And it was flavored with burnt sugar, baking chocolate, and roasted almonds. The smell in the kitchen while she was preparing a cup of coffee put a smile on my face, and she said the taste was even better and sweeter. And she didn't pick these flavors. They were chosen by Trade after she filled out a short quiz. You got to give this a try. And Trade Coffee connects customers to the freshest and best tasting coffee they've ever made at home by partnering with the country's best craft roasters. These are independent businesses from big cities and small towns. Trade customers are truly impactful for these independent roasters, often being the largest source of new growth for them. Trade's coffee team actually taste tests thousands of coffees to keep 450 different kinds live and ready to ship every day. There's no one perfect coffee, but there is a perfect coffee for you, and Trade's human-powered algorithm will find it. Trade is so confident they'll match you right the first time that if they don't, they'll take your feedback, and an actual coffee expert will work with you to send you a brand new bag for free. Right now, Trade is offering new subscribers a total of $30 off your first order plus free shipping and handling when you go to drinktrade.com forward slash Irish. That's more than 40 cups of coffee for free. Get started by taking their quiz at drinktrade.com forward slash Irish and let Trade find you a coffee you'll love. That's drinktrade.com forward slash Irish for $30 off. Here's what... Two things that I know, three things that I, I I know this group has to prove or has to contribute. Number one, they have depth is is obviously part of it. There are guys in this class that will will be backups this year. And it's whether or not they're backups because that's where that's all that's left on the depth chart, or backups because they have earned that playing time remains to be seen. You hope that this group can provide competition. And we talked about this last night on the Ivy Nation Sports Talk show with Vince. You know, one thing I want to see from fall camp is I want to hear about some older guys getting or starters getting pushed by some younger guys. Now, whether they win those jobs or not, I want to hear that, you know, Maris is having a great camp, but boy, Prince Colley's doing such and such. And, you know, well, Clarence Lewis is really having a good camp, but man, Ryan Barnes and Chance Tucker and Philip Riley are breathing down his neck. And, 
you know, boy, really is, you know, the, the defensive tackle from Harvard looks like a good player, but man, he's better battle because he's got Gabriel Rubio or Jason Onye breathing down his neck. You want to hear those things yep. coming out of fall camp. I think that's a big part of what is going to make this football team better is that there is that competition. And I think that's where the sophomore classes could really, really help is provide some of that. And then the third, there's going to be some special teams dudes on this unit. There's going to be some guys going to be really good special teams players in 2022, I believe, from this unit. I fully expect Prince Colley, who played some special teams last year, uh, to be a special teams guy. I like people, Justin Walters is going to have a hard time cracking the safety depth chart, which we'll get to later, but he's, yep. I, I'll be shocked if he's not playing special teams in some capacity. Philip Riley is another guy that I, that I think is going to battle for special teams role. Same with Chance Tucker. I mean, there's a lot of these guys, Ryan Barnes, a lot of these guys are going to have a chance to be that. So I think that's the other piece in it. That's not sexy and that doesn't get your name on, you know, every message board and Twitter where you're talked about because, boy, what a great job he did as a gunner or up man on the kick return team. But that's an important part of winning football games. And that's another area where this group is going to help this team. I forget what the context of the conversation was yesterday, Brian, but I remember you mentioned Ruben Foster for some reason yesterday. Mm -hmm. I can't remember why you brought him up. But I mean, Ruben Foster was. We were talking about the NFL draft and how you know you're going to take a chance on a guy with some character issues if he's yes you know as talented as athletic as Ruben Foster, but not a Tavon Coney. And he just popped in my head because obviously he ended up being a first round player. He ended up being an All American player and a really good player his last two years. But his first two years on campus. He was basically just a special teams player mm-hmm. for, for Alabama, and yep. he was a dynamic special yeah. teamer. I mean, running down <laughs> on kickoff, he was a monster. Yeah. I remember when he he laid Leonard Fournette out mm-hmm. on kickoff, and I'm just like, that kid two years later is a all-American-type linebacker, right? So it's not – there's nothing to be ashamed of a sophomore playing special teams, man, because the best programs have dudes that are playing on special teams that are the next up type of players, right? right. So I think that that role is very important, and I do expect it. Like, I expect Prince Prince Kali to run down on kickoffs and break some skulls, man. I mean, if we're being – and obviously that's hyperbolic, right? I'm not telling mm-hmm. him to actually break a skull. But he's going to – I think he's going to be great in that role, and you have several players in this class that are going to be dynamite special teamers and it doesn't have to be looked at as a negative because it is very, very important. If you look at some of the best teams across college football, I keep going back to like George, Alabama, those guys on kickoff return, I mean, on kickoff especially, they scream down the field, man. And they're the guys that make tackles like inside the 20 yard line, like that, because they just have so much speed on that unit. And Notre Dame needs speed there. And you talked about a couple guys like a Chance Tucker who has a lot of speed, a guy like a Prince Khalid that has a lot of speed. And I think a couple of those guys are going to contribute a lot on the defensive side of the football. But if anything, they're going to have a really important role as depth and as special teamers this year. And I don't want us to just look past special teams and say like, oh, that's not an impact. That is absolutely an impact on this team. Mm-hmm. So let's dive into specific players, Ryan. And let's yep. start really, I think, the position that, in my opinion, this class needs to have the biggest impact and that's, in my, my opinion, the secondary, and especially cornerback. Because whether or not Clarence Lewis wins a starting job this year remains to be seen. But as we've said before, the key is, look, I'm not rooting against Clarence Williams. I'm not, I'm not rooting for Ryan Barnes or anyone else. I'm, I'm rooting for the person that gives Notre Dame the best chance to win, whether that's Ryan Barnes or somebody else. Here's what needs to happen, however. If Clarence Lewis is going to win the job, he needs to win the job. And it needs to be made hard on him because of the performance of this sophomore class. Now, look, yes, Jaden Mickey and Benjamin Morrison we think can be factors, but this sophomore, cl- this class of corners that are that are rising sophomores now need to have good fall camps. And and that same thing is true in the in the nickel, right? I think Philip Riley's a guy that could really help out in the nickel. And same thing if Tariq Bracey's going to be the nickel and be the guy we think he's going to be this year, he needs to be pushed by a guy like Philip Riley or a Jaden Mickey. And win those jobs. And then, of course, if those guys beat out a guy, again, not rooting against that either because it's about getting the best guy on the field. So whatever the case may be, what we do know for a fact is that Notre Dame needs this group to step up and play well. And this is where I think we could see this group have the biggest impact on potential in the starting lineup would be at corner. And the guy that I want to kind of start off with is Ryan Barnes. I think Ryan Barnes is, a, is one of the more intriguing players in the roster. I love his high school film. I was very high on him coming to high school. I think he was a little behind the eight ball last year because he didn't play senior year of high school. 
And there were some other factors that I think kind of went into it, mainly Notre Dame being in so many competitive games, not wanting to put a young guy out there and risk of something not going right. He's a guy I thought had a good spring, Mm -hmm. but not a great spring. Didn't fully seize hold of the opportunities there. Gets another shot at it in fall camp. The light needs to go on for Ryan Barnes. And if it does, I'm going to feel so much better about this second of this year, Ryan, because one of two things is going to be true. Either A, he's going to have a great fall camp and beat out Clarence Lewis, and Notre Dame's going to be really good at corner. Or B, he's going to have a great fall camp, still can't beat out Clarence Lewis, and it means Notre Dame's going to have a really good secondary because it means Clarence Lewis took his game to another level, which is needed, right? As we said yes before, Notre Dame with Clarence Lewis in the starting lineup is going to be a 10-2 football team. Right. I mean, that's where we are. This, this eight and four stuff because of this, that, they've last two years, they've gone 10 and two and 11 and two with Clarence Lewis playing a lot of football. Right. I mean, they're going to beat most of the teams on their schedule. The question is, is can they beat Ohio state Clemson and USC, or at least two of those three, that's going to have a lot. There's going to be a lot. The second is going to have a big say in that. The second corner is going to have a big say in that. And so the play has to get a lot better than it was to beat those teams because that's the standard now. It's not beating North Carolina and BYU and Stanford. That's not the standard anymore. It's can you beat Ohio State? Can you beat Clemson? And the secondary is going to have to play better. And I think that this, that second corner opposite Cam Hart is a huge part of that. And Ryan Barnes is a guy that I think could have a big, big say in how, how that whole thing shakes out. I hope he has a big say because if he doesn't, that's probably not a good sign for him and for the cornerback position. I know that Al Golden is obviously calling the defense now, but I think that we've talked a lot about it's still going to have Marcus Freeman's imprint on it. And I think when you look at what he was able to accomplish at Cincinnati, that one of the biggest biggest pluses that he had on the defensive side of the football was he had some long corners, man. Like, I mean, you talk about, Cha- um, I'm going to say Chauncey Gardner Johnson for some reason, but you talk about a mod gardener for the different gardeners in my head. Talk about a mod gardener at six foot three goes top 10 to the New York Jets this past draft. And on the other side, the smaller corner, Kobe Bryant is six foot one. And then the backup to him is Anquan Bush, who's going to start this year. That is a six foot corner, right? So they're just trotting out the six foot plus, six foot one plus guys for the most part with vines for arms at cornerback. When, you're at, when he was at Cincinnati. And I think that he wants the same here, Brian, ideally, right? Like you have one guy in Cam Hart that's six, two and a half, 32 plus inch arms with insane length. And Clarence Lewis, I think is a good football player. But the, the, the fact of the matter, in my opinion, is that I do think Ryan Barnes gives you a higher upside because he is, again, that guy that is six, three, vines for arms. And if he is able to step up and be a dude that we think that he can be eventually, if he's able to just show glimmers of that and consistency to be close to that this year, then imagine what you can do with Clarence Lewis, not even from a competition perspective. I want to get this misnomer out of here for a second. Clarence Lewis is going to play football for Notre Dame. I just think that you can take advantage of what he can do more lining up in multiple spots. Like if he eventually comes, safety, nickel, outside corner. Like, I think he can do a lot of different things for your secondary, but I think ultimately this defense wants to have those two long corners out there. And that's what Ryan Barnes brings to you immediately. He has length. Is he going to make some mistakes? Sure. Is he going to have up and downs? Absolutely. Is he going to have some games where he just doesn't look like, like it's, it's clicking for him? Yes. He hasn't played a ton of football. He hasn't played a couple of football. We talk about, Talk about Tyler Buckner a ton, right? That he hasn't played a lot of football over the last few years. Ryan Barnes, like you said, missed his senior year. And then he doesn't play a ton as a freshman. So he hasn't played in a couple years. There's going to be some growing pains. But I think he needs to be able to play football this year. If he's not the starter, he needs to give valuable reps and competition to Clarence Lewis. Because if Clarence Lewis is going to be the guy, he needs to be the guy because he was better than another good football player, not the guy by default. So I think Ryan Barnes is one of the more important players of the younger guys just overall because he needs to push and he needs to be able to play football in 2022. Philip Riley is another intriguing guy in the secondary because he, he he's a, a, a really thick, strong kid, not the tallest guy, not the smoothest guy, fast and strong mm-hmm. and a player that's, that's very intriguing. And, and I'm, I'm still not sure what to make of Philip Riley, to be honest with you, or what his best position is. Very strong tackler said can run fast 
all those aspects of it. But, you know, can he flip his hips? Can he cover? Can he do those type of things? So he's another guy that that I think this is a big year for him because when you look at, obviously, the arrival of Benjamin Morrison and Jaden Mickey, you talk about getting Christian Gray and Micah Gray next year. I think the next two guys are, are – this is a big year for them because if you don't show a little something now, you, you could get passed up pretty quickly, which is – I mean, that's kind of where you want to be as a program. If you don't step sure. up, we got other dudes coming along that will pass you up. That's a healthy place to be as a program. And and so I think this is also a big a big fall camp for Philip Riley as well. I think as a as a second, I mean obviously special teams is one thing, but as far as as a secondary player, I think this is a big big fall for him in my opinion. Yeah, I mean I think that you can just kind of put a check mark next to the fact that he's probably going to be a good special team for you because you see the physicality, straight line speed is good, all that stuff checks out. So he should be a good coverage unit guy. But for me, Brian, like he's another guy that I just talked a little bit about with Clarence Lewis. I think he could also play a couple different spots for you. You know, you could throw him into the boundary. I think he could play nickel if that's what you needed him to play because he's got that nice level of physicality and he's a very willing run defender and he's willing to get up into your face, play some press, do all those types of things. I like Philip Riley because I think he has a little bit of a temperament to him, right? Like he's got a little bit of a demeanor that I like as that kind of press man type of corner, a guy that can also play in the nickel. So I, I think that you hit it spot on with the fact that you have guys like Jaden Mickey and Benjamin Morrison and then Micah Bell and Christian Gray coming in the next class. Like competition is going to get harder. And it's it's weird for a sophomore because it's not a make it or break it year, but it is a big year for Philip Riley to show that he can compete and that he can give you valuable minutes as at least a reserve. Because if not, there is a lot of players that are coming up the pipe that are very, very talented. So I'm excited for him because if he takes a step forward and if he's a guy that can contribute some minutes, I think he's a guy that can line up in a few different spots, which I think makes it exciting. And that's kind of that interchangeableness that I think you need in a secondary now because I keep going back to Cincinnati because obviously that's where Marcus Freeman's roots are as a defensive mind. And when you saw that defense, like there would be times where corners would get pushed into nickel just with, you know, different motions and everything. And you didn't have to like panic, right? Like you didn't have to move defenders all over the place. Like you just kind of settle where you are. And I think that Philip Riley can give you that flexibility to play a little bit outside in, but obviously we need it to be consistent and we need him to show up on a day-to-day basis. And I think he can, it's just the question of, is it going to be this year for him? Cause if not, then you're getting into that area where it's like, when is it going to happen for Philip Riley? Chance Tucker's another intriguing guy because I have been really torn on this kid for a long time. I did not grade him very high coming out of high school. Didn't play a ton as a senior because of the COVID stuff. They had a spring season and it was shortened and all this kind of stuff. And when I watch him, Ryan, I, I get I get stuck between a couple things. Number one is I see a kid that's really smart, kid that's fluid, smooth, moves well. He's longer now than I thought he was coming to high school. Like he's got some height and length to him that I didn't anticipate him having. He was a really good high school football player, but then I'd watch him and I'm like, but the athleticism doesn't just jump off the screen at me. So am I missing athleticism that is there because he's so smooth and instinctive and fluid, or is he just not as athletic as other guys? I, I look, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm not unwilling to say sometimes I don't know. And, and I have a hard time evaluating that kid. I He's one of the hardest kids I've ever had to evaluate because when you look at the results in high school, he was really good. It's just for whatever reason, it just didn't click in my head when I've watched and I've tried to, 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 to see it. Mm-hmm. And, and so that's kind of my evaluation. But when I talk to people at Notre Dame, you know, as soon as hey, he's faster than we thought he was and he's taller than we thought he was and you hear think good things about him. He did some nice things in the spring game and, Then he went down. I think it looked to me again, this is just my, it looked to me like it was cramp related. If you remember when they were, cause they were like pulling on his foot and all that, but he, he, he looked fine after the game, but he's an interesting guy because I I just, I have said from the minute they got him, I'm not super high on him. What I see, but I also have this feeling in my stomach that this kid's going to make me look really bad for having him ranked as low as I had him. And if if that's going to be true, and honestly, I kind of hope it is. Mm-hmm. This is we're going to start to see it now. I mean, that that's my opinion. We're going to start to see it now. Now is when he starts to make his move, where he shows, hey, I'm the best sophomore corner in this class. And I think if if he's going to be that guy, then I think we're going to start to see it come up this this fall in this battle. 
Well, Brian, I mean, if he, he's a guy for me, and I would love your feedback on this, if he's a guy that does play up to the speed that he's kind of rumored to have, then he kind of just checks a lot of boxes, right? Like there's no real mm-hmm. glaring weakness because he's got, I mean, he needs to fill out, continue to get bigger, but if he has length, he's got some athleticism and he's smooth to your, to your point, right? Like he's a guy that I think can play football. It's just, mm-hmm. you need to see it, right? Like, I mean, he's right. an enigma to me right now because you hear a lot of good things. You see that there's traits, absolutely, but he just hasn't popped for – I mean, even – and I'll be very honest about this. Went to the spring practice that was open to us, and I saw him competing, and I think I thought he looked fine, but he didn't pop for me either as far as, like, mm-hmm. watching in practice. I thought everything was solid, but I didn't see any trait where I was just like, yeah, that's something that you could really hang your hat on. So mm-hmm. he's just kind of a wait-and-see guy for me because, I mean, the root – I mean, what we're hearing is – He's a good straight line athlete. He's got length. And if that is the situation, then he might be able to contend for some for right. some reps this year. I just, I don't know what to expect from him. He's an enigma. To right. me. I, don't, I, I honestly, and I'll be very forthcoming to this. I don't know what to expect from Chance Tucker. Right. I have no idea what yeah. to expect from him. It's going to be interesting. It, it is because I mean, there's, like I said, there's things I like. He's, I mean, when I watch him flip his hips, I think he flips his hips as well as well as about any corner that they have. Smooth kid. I mean, he's smooth really kid. smooth and fluid. And sometimes that can mask. It's we, it's easier to see that at receiver than it is corner, in my opinion. Like it's easier for me to see a kid that's just gliding at receiver, but he's actually really fast there. And that's just my background. I'm I'm, I'm an offensive guy. I coach receivers. It's easier for me to study that and see that. It can, it's harder for me sometimes a corner. And and I think that's really where it comes down to for me when it comes to chance which Tucker. I mean, to your to your point though, it is a lot easier to hide because I mean I even think of like sometimes corners, I mean, what's the best opportunity to see them run? It's when you're just turning and running in man coverage and you just see a wide receiver running a go route, right? But if a corner has smooth hips to your point and is able to get to the top of the stem and to kind of halt some momentum early. They don't have to be incredibly fast. They just got themselves in great position because they have that fluidness at, 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 with their hips. So it is tough to evaluate sometimes because you just can't see a guy running in a straight line all the time at corner because they're right. just going to get themselves in proper position. So mm-hmm. I'm hopeful because if, if yeah. Chance Tucker could play football, then you start like kind of stacking yeah. a bunch of guys, right? Then you're like, oh, wow. Now we have Cam Hart, Clarence Lewis took a step up. Ryan Barnes can play football. Philip Riley can do some things for us. And Chance Tucker can also give right. some reps. That's where, like, your depth, you're kind of like, wow, that's that's intriguing. That's not even counting guys yeah. like Tobias Merriweather and Jane Mickey that are going to be going to have, I think, a – they're going to have a play to get some significant amount of playing Benjamin time year, potentially. Yeah. Benjamin, what did I say? Yeah. Tobias Merriweather. Tobias Merriweather. Oh, same guy, right? Same guy, yeah. <laughs> Meaning they're both really good? Yes, you are correct. But you both have both have some Washington roots. Right, both incredibly right. talented. Sure. Right. Right. I, look for me. Minimum, you need one of these guys to push. You need one of these guys to battle for that number two outside corner spot. I think that's minimum what you need. And then the others are, are special teams guys, right? Whether they're starters or, or just pushing for for roles on special teams. I think best case scenario, like realistic best case scenario, I mean, best case scenario is like they all three start and they're all Americans and this is the greatest secondary. Realistically, I think the best case scenario is that one of them pushes in for a starting job and the other one forces his way into the two deep, you know, and, and whoever that combination is doesn't matter. It just, you, you need two of these guys in an ideal situation to say, hey, look, we're here, we're going to play, find a home for us. And that's ultimately yes. what you want is someone's going to be a rotation guy, but are they a rotation guy? Cause you needed somebody to be a rotation guy. Are they a rotation guy because they said you better figure out a way to play me. Cause I'm, I'm, I'm too good not to play. The, the worst case scenario is that none of them take a massive step forward and whoever starts a corner is the corner by default. Yes. Like that is the worst case scenario you mm-hmm. need. If Clarence Lewis is the starter next year. And again, I'm rooting for him. If he's a starter, I it, the best case is that he beats out three really good players, right? Like you don't want him to just be the best of a nondescript type of exciting group, like a, a group that is just potential, but didn't really take a step forward. If that's the case, then you're going to be in trouble. You're going to be in a little mm-hmm. bit of trouble. You need a guy to step up and to take that opportunity or a couple guys to step up and take that opportunity. I do not want a guy to win by default as the opposite right. corner to Cam Hart. Anywhere especially yes. there when you look at yes. the schedule. So let's move on to linebacker, Ryan. And, and obviously it's a one-man – well, it's actually a two-man show, but we're going to sp- sp- spend most of our time talking about 
about Prince Collie. I, I think Will Schweitzer deserves a mention. Will is a tall, long kid that I could see having an impact on special teams, but I think he's he's probably a year away from kind yeah. of making a move at linebacker. I think, uh, and and I don't think it'd be fair to kind of expect him to do that. If he does, great, but I don't think it'd be fair to expect that from him, simply because he's battled some injuries as a freshman. And he's been moving around. I mean, with linebacker, defensive end, back to linebacker, they've moved him around so much. I, I just feel like it's he's a, a projectable down the road guy. And that's what he was when they signed him. I mean, he was always going to be a projectable down the road guy. So I think we're still a year away from from Will Schweitzer being that kind of guy. I think the linebacker from the class that has a chance to 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 maybe step in and show something this year in some capacity is Prince Colley. And and I think he's a guy that Notre Dame needs bare minimum. They need him to be a special teams standout and a and a legitimate number two linebacker. Meaning, when when Maris needs a breather, you're gonna we're totally fine putting you in the game, knowing that you can go play and make plays and run the defense, right? And and whether that's ten snaps a game or fifteen or twenty snaps a game doesn't matter. I think that's the if if that's the the story coming out of of the fall for Prince Collie, that's success. I think the concern is. This is a kid that's still learning the position. This is a kid that that's maybe not necessarily a natural linebacker. You know, has played some rover at Notre Dame. He was a receiver and a running back in high school as well. You know, is, is he ready to handle the mental part of the game? That's a question mark. I'm optimistic about it, though, and here's why. Because of how bad he looked during the season last year, you start asking yourself, like, I don't know if this guy has the instincts to play football. Right. Like that's, I mean, that's how lost he looked the first time he stepped on the field mop up duty. About the next second or third time we saw him, you're like, oh, oh, Prince has figured it out. When a guy makes that kind of leap and in, in, in that short of time, it shows me he has a knack for football. It just, you know, he was swimming like all freshmen do. Right. It just his was on camera because it was a, you know, blowout of a, of a, of a game as whereas other guys that they're going through that in practice. But to see the jump he made from like kind of game the first game, and I, I'm trying to remember when it was he was on the field, but it was it, it was kind of middle of the season, and then like a few games later he's back out there. I think it was for like Georgia Tech, and you're like, wow, Prince is running around like sticking people and, and making reads and hitting the gap, and so you're like, okay, that made me feel a lot better about where Prince was as far as yeah. not being as concerned about is he a natural linebacker as much as I was. So that's why I say I think that's why the expectation needs to be that he earns those opportunities because I do think the mental part is there. There's never a question about the athleticism. I mean, that, that was never a question with Prince Golly. No, I, I saw I remember, Brian. I remember when he was coming out of the state of Tennessee, I remember watching his highlight and he was playing like a mid hole safety and doing all these different things in space. And you saw him, then you saw his frame. You're like, Oh man, this kid is athletic and he's well put together like that he looks like a future NFL linebacker, like just from a physical perspective, you see him move around, you see his body type. You're like, yes, good to go. Now the linebacker position is something where you do need a great feel for the game. You do need good eyes. Those mm-hmm. things you can't like, you need those things. It's not just a, I, there's a lot of linebackers and especially from my NFL draft experience that I walk that I watch. And then I'm just like, they're, they're running around aimlessly. It looks great. Mm-hmm. Baron Browning from Ohio State's one, right? Like, it looks great. He looks like a good football player. He looks like the dude on, on the hoof. But then he's running around, and I'm just like, you're, you're running around aimlessly, sir. Like, you have mm-hmm. no idea where your gap is. You have no idea about a gap integrity. You are shooting the wrong gap. Like, it's just not great. So linebackers need both sides. It is a very mentally driven position. Mm-hmm. If Prince Colley has it, is there a more explosive linebacker downhill than Prince Colley on this roster? I'm not sure if there is. He is an incredibly physical, explosive athlete. And if he puts it together all the way around, he could be special. Like he has special traits from an athletic perspective. Right Now, there's a lot of good players around him, and there's good players that are going to continue to come at the Mm -hmm. linebacker position. So he needs to take a hold of this because he's going to be a dynamic special teamer, like no doubt about it. Right. But there is going to be a lot of competition. And I think he's a guy that long-term could be a Mike. Could be a will. Like, I think he could play all over because of how explosive and strong he is. It's just about putting everything together. If he does, then, man, Notre Dame has some of the more athletic linebackers, has one of the more athletic linebacker groups in college football this year. Because when you add him to a 
Maris Loifal and a junior Tuya Lamaka and a, you know, Jay Bertrand and the Rover position with Jalen Sneed and, and Jack Kaiser, some good athletes in there, man. But I think that there is a, he is one of the more high caliber linebackers as far as athleticism yeah. on the roster. And he needs to play in my opinion, he needs to play. I, I think sometimes you get in these situations, Ryan, when you sign a great group of freshmen mm-hmm. that, it's almost kind of like we forget that the guy that was already there was just as highly ranked when he was coming out of high school. Right. I mean, Prince Colley was a top 50 national player, according to SIL American. And I didn't have anything to do with that ranking like that. That was before I got involved at all in those rankings. You know, he's a guy that was a top hundred recruit, you know, a big time football player. I mean, we talk about, you know, Jalen Steed playing receiver, you know, quarterback at his, for his senior year. Prince Colley was in like a 1900 yard rusher as a senior. As a junior, he played receiver and had over a thousand yards. Like this kid is a dynamic athlete, dynamic football player. Must and be he's nice not to be gonna, that athletic. Can right. You imagine? I right. Can imagine. We're not just gonna go out there this year and like all of a sudden, no, I can't imagine that. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're not gonna go out there this year and he has a bad two weeks and all of a sudden he's passed up and never be heard from again. Like the freshman class is really good, but Prince is as well. And and uh I'm not ready to write him off just yet. But to your point, it is an important camp for him because he can have a rough period but you can't have a bad spring because you're gonna have nolan ziegler and Jalen Sneed and junior to alamaka breathing down your neck because i actually think prince is in a situation where we look and say well he's not gonna he's not gonna beat out maris lewifow and i'd be shocked if he beat out maris lewifow but number one what if maris gets hurt again you need prince to be ready number two even if maris does plays like an all-american he's not gonna play every snap and you need to make sure that there's not the drop-off when you put your number two guy in the game, which is very important. And that's that's one of the missing ingredients for Notre Dame compared to a, an Alabama, a Georgia, is, is when Alabama puts their – or Georgia especially puts their number two defensive line in the game, it's like guys are going to be like All-Americans next year when these guys leave, right? There's not a drop-off. And Notre Dame has had a, a drop-off at times. And that's one of the things that's made the defensive line so good in past years was because they there wasn't a drop off. You know, when they were when they were taking Khalid Kareem and Julian Aquar off the field, they were putting Dalen Hayes and Adi Ogandiji. You know, when they were taking off, you know, Kurt Heinrich or Myron Tungavaloa off the field, they were putting in Jason Adamiola. I mean, that's where you want to be, right? Linebacker hasn't been there. There's been drop offs when you've had to go to your rotations in a lot of years. And so you want to make sure that Prince doesn't do that. And then number three, it's not a given that Prince is just locked into a backup role. I mean, he has the kind of body type that if if you're not getting what you want out of the mic and he's playing really well, slide him on over and 100%. give him a chance there. If you're not getting what you like at Rover in, in, in the role that, let's say, Jordan Patelho is playing, or if, let's say, Jordan Patelho has to move to Will and you want to kind of get a bigger-bodied Rover out there, he can run well enough to do that. So – he needs to play so well that it's like, Hey, you got to figure something out guys. Cause you got to get me on the field some way, somehow. That's what you hope you see from Prince Collie. But at the very least you need a guy that's going to give you a, a dynamic sub and a, and a special teams standout. I think that those, I think that's not even just like an, a, a best case scenario to me. That's just the expectation I have for Prince Collie this year. Now he's sure. got to, he's got to live up to that expectation in my opinion. And anything less, it's a big, it's a big letdown if we're being honest, right? Because I mean, you need him to play football. You need mm-hmm. to. I mean, it's it's just comes simply as, again, I'm talking from a body type and an athleticism combination, Brian. He mm-hmm. is about as gifted of a linebacker that there is on the roster, right? Mm-hmm. And you need him to play. Like, I mean, just, I mean, I, I, I hate to paint it as simple as that, but if he can't play football this year, if he's not a legitimate number two or at least gives you some spots spot reps and is a dynamic special teamer it's a letdown it is i mean you need him to play football because we're excited about these all these freshman linebackers coming in right but you also don't want them to be forced to play if they aren't ready to play right like Mm -hmm. i mean you want those guys to be able to earn the job not be given a job It's, it's the default thing right with clarence lewis back to that I don't want Clarence Lewis to win the starting job just because he's by default the best player there. I want Prince Kali to earn that playing time. And if he does, then, I mean, you're talking about if there's a scenario where Maris Loifel is at his potential and he comes off the field and you have a nearing potential of a Prince Kali as his backup, like, man, 
that is where the difference comes in, in my opinion. I think defensive line is another intriguing one for this group. Gabriel Rubio was a really highly regarded guy coming out of high school. And I'll be honest with you, I was a little surprised he was not a factor at all last year. Uh, and, and I'm, and I'm even more surprised that he's not pushing more so far this year because it's not a big defensive line. And, and when Aiden Kiana Anna went down, he's out for the year with a knee injury, which he suffered, I think first, first or second practice of the spring. It's like, okay, you just got small on the inside, right? Like, like Jason Adamiola right now is your big guy on the defensive line, you know, unless Jacob Lacey can add some weight. You know, or 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 Chris Smith from Harvard is your big guy now on the interior of the defensive line. But he's um, he's also only two hundred ninety pounds, so he's right. Not that and he's a pumped up two ninety. You know what that's, I mean? Like he's not. You know, he's that guy that'll be two thirty a year after he's done playing college football, right? Yep. And and so Aiden and, and Gabriel and and Jason Onye are the guys that kind of bring some beef to the table. And so I think Rubio and, and Onye are two guys that I have my eye on to say, can these guys? become factors and and, mm-hmm. and they need to not just to provide depth but when we talk about wanting to see competition i want to see jason adamiola and howard cross and jacob lacy and chris smith the veterans the guys that are proven i want to th- see them kind of uncomfortable this season with gabriel rubio and jason onye breathing down their necks I, or if there's a scenario where heaven forbid one of those guys goes down that these guys step in and say, okay, now it's my time to shine because the present and the future of the defensive line needs these guys to step up this season because you're going to lose Jason Adamiola and Chris Smith Smith after this year, and you want to feel comfortable next year that these two kids are going to be ready to play. But that's going to have to show itself this year to a degree. Even if it's a situation where, you know, maybe Gabriel's playing, he's your short yardage nose tackle or he's he's a goal line three technique or something like that you got to hope that Gabriel does something to, to, to force him in the field. And I think what he shows is, we saw in the spring game, saw him in practices, he's a big kid with strong hands. He's got to get better at moving his feet, and his lateral quickness has been has not been what I'd hoped it would be. You know, He's kind of a straight-line guy so far. He's got to get better at the block destruction, and he stops his feet a little bit too much and some things like that. But I, I just – I hope, because I saw him this summer, uh, Notre Dame's camp, and he is – a big kid and it's like Massive. naturally big i mean he's not like yeah. fat he is a big just a he's a, broad he's the he's son of an a former kid. nfl offensive lineman that, i mean that the dna is there right i mean he's just a big kid and and so they really need gabriel rubio in my opinion step up because they need someone that has some beef that can come in there and say i'm not just a pumped up 295 i am 295 and i can play like it I think Gabriel Rubio's emergence this year, if it happens, would be something that would really go a long way towards solidifying the interior of this defensive line. Because I'm not going to lie to you, there's a lot of talent. I mean, you know you know my stance on Jason Adamiola. I think you and I share a similar stance. That kid is one of the most underrated players in the country. The fact that he wasn't on the Outland Trophy watch list is absurd. Absurd. I, I think Jacob Lacey, when, when he was healthy last year, flashed impressively. And as much as I want to discredit and discount Howard Cross because he looks like more like an FCS player, just he, I mean, look, he's like 6'1 and a half, 265. That's guys that I coached at Duquesne, right? You know, on the D, D line. But the kid's a baller and, and, sure and you can't discount the production. I mean, he, he makes plays, right? You know, I live in this world of I want to see the 6'5, 305 pound kid, and that's all fine and dandy. But Howard's like, yeah, okay, you can dream about that, but I'm just going to go make this play, you know? But he is 265. And, and and that is putting a lot more. Re- I mean, he he his best games were when he was like in that fifteen to twenty five play wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. And then Chris Smith is a good player, but he's a rotation guy. I mean, you're, you know, he's not going to come here and, and and play like a first round pick. It's it's we I, we've seen this way too many times, right? Remember the kid from uh, was he from uh, like Central Michigan or whatever? And he went to Michigan a couple years ago, and uh, Pro Football Focus had him as like fans. one of the top yeah. twenty players and. And he went to Michigan and he was just a rotation player because there's a huge gap. You know, we saw Kane Madden. Kane Madden on film with Marshall was a good football player at that level. We knew he wasn't going to transition well to this level. Chris Smith in a perfect world is just a good rotation player. Gabriel Rubio, if the light can go on, can give you even more than that. And he can also give you maybe if he can give you 15 snaps a game, 
He gives you a big-bodied guy, but then that takes some of that burden off of Howard Cross because what you don't want to have happen to Howard Cross is that he slows down because he because you work him too much. You want him in the fourth quarter fresh where it's third and two and your guards played 65 snaps and Howard's fresh and he just beats you across your face into the gap and blows up a third and two play. It, right. and, but if he's in snap 45 in late October, early November, I don't know if that burst is going to be there. And that's why I think a guy like Gabriel Rubio stepping up could be a great benefit to this defense this season. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I, I think it's about variety for me. Mm-hmm. I think right now you have your three best interior players, at least your known commodities, are Jason Adam Alola, about 280, 285. You have Howard Cross, like you said, about 265, maybe 270. And then you have a guy like Jacob Lacey, who I like, 275 to 280 pounds. They all are kind of very similar as far as they are gap shooting, one gap type of players that want to create havoc and they want to create penetration and that's great but also we know ryan that like you don't want all your guys to be the same type of guy right like you want some variety to it and gabriel rubio is completely different than all of those football players he is six five longer arms big physical type of defensive lineman and if he's able to be that then that i think kind of supplements skill sets a little bit better right like you're going to be able to because there's going to be some times where you're going to be playing against some really powerful interior offensive linemen that are going to be able to create movement against a guy like a Howard Cross it's a natural thing it's going to happen being able to counteract that physicality with physicality I think is big time so you need a guy like Gabriel Rubio because right now I think you just have a little bit too much of the same guy right now you need some variety. You need difference. And that's what Gabriel Rubio is. He's a different player than all three of those guys, which you need sometimes. You don't want the same type of defensive end at each spot. You don't want the same type of offensive lineman at the same spot. You don't want the same type of wide receivers in the same receiving core. You don't want the same type of corners. You want guys that can do different things. And I think that's what Gabriel Rubio can provide for you is that he has that body type. He has that physicality and he has that strength. And if he hits, and that just makes your interior so much deeper than it is right now. Jason Onye is another guy. Very intriguing player. He was he is one of the biggest enigmas to me, and, and a lot of it's because of his senior year. Like when, when I remember first watching that kid play, and, and I'm like, why are they offering this like three-star kid from Rhode Island? And then you watch him and you're like, okay, I get it. Right. Like you see a kid that's incredibly raw, but he is long. He has a tremendous frame. The question was always, can he stick a big end or is he going to outgrow it and move inside? And that was always the question. And so far he's, he's outgrown it. I mean, he's, he's playing inside now. Saw him this summer. And again, he's just a big kid. He's just a big kid that doesn't look big. Right. I mean, like it's not fat. He's just a big, big kid really athletic, but the reality is he's still super raw. And so the question is like, I gave him a a three and a half star grade. I graded him as a top 400 caliber player. Gave him a four and a half upside grade though. I mean, you're talking about a kid that as a junior in high school and he had only, it was only his, I believe second year of ever playing football had 15 sacks and 76 tackles. I don't care what level of competition you're playing. That's a lot, you know, and that's really, really productive. And you saw a kid that was on the verge of, of man, this kid, his, I couldn't wait to see him a senior year. And then, of course, COVID hits, and they canceled football in Rhode Island. So he didn't get to play a senior year, and that put him behind a year a little bit. But, man, 
when when you watch the spring game even and you see it practices, there's some snaps you're like, this kid has no clue what he's doing. And then there's snaps you're like, wow, this kid's going to be a dude, right? And yeah. and so the question now is he's got a spring, a fall under his belt, a spring under his belt. He's now going to his third semester at Notre Dame. The question is, are we still a year away from his kind of breakout or will we start to see some of those flashes this year? I think that's a fair question with Jason Onye. I don't think him not playing this year does anything like if he's just kind of a backup, you know, just not ready yet. That doesn't discourage me at all because that's kind of where I thought he'd be. I'd kind of say maybe going into year three is when he'd really going to crack it for two reasons. One, he's raw. And two, you see what's in front of him. It's pretty mm-hmm. darn good football players in front of them. 100%. And so uh, I don't, I'm not, I don't think with him, I don't expect him. Like if he doesn't play this year, it's disappointing. I, I don't feel that way about Jason Onye. I, I, I'll say if he doesn't start to flash in this next spring, I'll start getting a little bit nervous. But if the light does go on a little sooner than I anticipated, because I didn't think Joe Alt was going to play, <laughs> was going to be ready to play last year either. If the light goes on a little faster than anticipated, he gives you something you just don't have a lot of, which is a – he is he is similar to the other smaller defensive tackles in that he's a pretty athletic kid. He he went to B- Bishop Hendrenkin to play basketball, not to That's play crazy. football. Mm-hmm. And so uh, he's a, a really athletic kid. He's what you'd expect the big foot basketball player to look like. He gives you that quickness and athleticism that you have with Jason Adam Yule and Howard Cross and Jacob Lacey. But he does it in a 6'5", 285-pound frame with really long arms. And so he brings something a little bit different to the table. And if the light goes on, that would be a great benefit to the Notre Dame defense, in my opinion. If I sent in an NFL scout right now into the building, Brian, of the interior defensive lineman, and I said, pick one without actually seeing them play football or seeing any more context, they would say, I want Jason Onye, right? Because mm-hmm. like you said, he's got those long arms. He's a big kid. He moves well. All those things, he's got a lot of potential to him. And I saw him in the spring, and he does have some one-gap potential despite being that size. He is a good athlete. And, man, I, I just – he's another enigma for me, though. I don't know what exactly to expect from Jason Onye, but I think if he hits, then that's where you're – all defensive line is transformed the most in my opinion, because mm-hmm. you know what to expect from Jason Adam Malola. I think he's going to finish a little more, but he's an incredibly talented player. I know yeah. what I'm going to get from Howard cross. I think I know what I'm going to get from Jacob Lacey. If he's healthy, I have somewhat of an understanding of Gabriel Rubio. I think, yep. you know, but I don't minimum, know. Like we know, we know the minimum of what Rubio can be. Right. Sure. But I, I don't know where the floor is with a guy like a Jason Onye. I haven't seen it yet. But if he's if his floor and his ceiling can become just close to one another, then he's mm-hmm. a really impactful yeah. football player. Because yeah. there's going to be some offensive linemen that are going to go against him. They're going to just look at him and just going to say, "He's going to stack me at the point of attack, and he's going to get you know work you know just kind of diagnose the play, stack and shed, do all those types of things." But then he's going to have that first step at times where he's firing off the football. Where you're like, "Oh, this is a little different." than what his body type tells me tells me that he is. So the upside is immense. And if he gives you anything close to how good he can mm-hmm. be in 2022, then he also gives you the size, he gives you the athleticism, and he gives you a high upside player in the interior mm-hmm. defensive line. There's no doubt. And and you know, like you said, it, the the thing about this group that I'm I'm, I'm you know, I said I don't, I don't root for certain things. I am rooting for them to step up, and it's not because I want them to be necessarily beat out the guys in front of them. It's more so I want Notre Dame to have the options, and I think you kind of referred to this a little bit, Ryan. You want Notre Dame to have the options of being able to go to bigger guys if they need it. You know, like there's going to like Ohio State is a, a passing team. We've talked about this, but they're going to try to run the ball more this year. But the one thing about Ohio State is their their offensive line. They're not super athletic, but they're huge. I mean, they're other than Luke Whipler, the guys that are projected to be starters for the Ohio State offensive line are big guys. And you're going to have other offensive lines like that where, you know, maybe they're not the most talented guys, but they're big. And that's where, you know, you could get into situations where with Notre Dame's undersized defensive line, it, you know, those are games where like, yeah, I don't know if this is going to be an ideal situation because they're just overwhelming you your size. 
And so it, it'd be nice to have some big guys you kind of throw out there and say, hey, go throw your weight around a little bit. So that's why I do think it is important that those two break out. Not even just that, well, if he breaks out, great. If not, no big deal. I do think in this situation they need them, at least one of them, to step up. Now, looking at Jason Onye individually, I'm not panicking if Jason doesn't step up this year, as I said, but they need him to. And there's there's mm-hmm. a, there's a difference like, you know, you're not always on the same page with a recruit. You know, you need him to play here, but he's just not ready. That's understandable. You live with it. But it doesn't mean that the need isn't any less there. Again, they don't need him for 30 snaps a game, but they it'd be nice to have him and or and really Gabriel Rubio to be able to give you some snaps where you can say, hey, look, they're not quite where these other guys are because these guys are more experienced. They're, I mean, all those guys are at least two years ahead of these guys in the program. So I'm mm-hmm. three years ahead of them. But he's good enough and he's shown enough that if we need to call on him in certain situations, we trust him. And that's going to be the big key for Gabriel and Jason Onye in, in this fall. I agree completely. I think it's I think I've said this a couple times this week, but it's a change up for you, right? Like you don't want to trot out the same type of body type, the same style at every position. You or at the interior defensive line position, I should say. I think that when you start to key on like, okay, these guys are 275, 280 pound defensive linemen who just want to shoot gaps. Then I start kind of understanding that my offensive linemen are kind of predicting that a little bit more. Your offense is going to work to defend, um, to uh, oppose that more. And then you throw in, oh, here's Gabriel Rubio, six foot five, 295 pounds, completely different player than I was just playing against. Right. And I think that that kind of really messes with imposing offensive linemen because now they're like, oh, this guy's different now. Now I need to completely change my mm-hmm. approach to how to block him. That's for me is that's what you want from a full picture perspective. You want different types of players so that you can bring that change up to the game. You don't want a one pitch pitcher. You want guys that have multiple things in their arsenal. And that's what I think a guy like an Onye could bring. That's what I think what a guy like a Gabriel Rubio could bring potentially to your team. So let's talk safeties. I think this is kind of the last part of this conversation is, is looking at safety. And that's Justin Walters. I don't think this is a super long conversation because I think Justin's probably still a year away from cracking the rotation. I just think there's too many guys ahead of him that are older and also good football players. Would I be shocked if Justin forces himself onto the field? No, I wouldn't. Uh, do I think it's going to happen? Probably not, at least from what we've seen so far. But but I like the fact that he's there competing. That's obviously important. He provides great depth in case someone does go down or somebody doesn't emerge and play well. But the big thing I think we're I think Justin Walters is going to have as big as big of an impact as just about any sophomore in this class from a special team standpoint because he can run and he can hit. He's not the biggest guy in the world, but he can run and he can hit, and he's a smart football player. So I, I'll be surprised if Justin Walters isn't a standout on special teams this year. And that again, that may not be sexy. It may not have people talking about oh what a great sophomore year Justin Walters had, but it's going to have an impact on his football team winning and losing games. And so that's where I think Justin Walters could have the biggest impact for Notre Dame this year. I don't disagree because, I mean, when you're looking at the safety depth chart, you're talking about Brandon Joseph, Ramon Henderson, Xavier Watts, and then two seniors in DJ Brown and Houston Griffith, right? Like, it's just right. a lot of guys. Like, it's it's good players in front of you, to your point. So Justin Walters breaking out might be more on a defensive side of football, might be more 2023, but he's still mm-hmm. an important asset to this team. I mean, if you're watching live with us, you should go back about 20 minutes where I was preaching a little bit about don't underestimate how important special teams is. I mean, we've seen it in games, right? Like we have literally seen it. Someone said 2015 against Ohio State. You remember the coverage unit for Ohio State that year against it was it was Notre Dame was having to go like 85 yards every time they touched the football. I mean, it's disheartening. Like, let's call it this. Yeah, Yeah, it's embarrassing. For an offensive coordinator, for an offense in general, it's disheartening because you're like, yes. oh, man, now we got to do yes. extra work here. Special yeah. teams is important, and Justin Walters could have a big impact in that department. Well, that's helped the Notre Dame defense in recent years. I mean, Notre Dame's, for all my issues with Brian Polian, and I have a lot as a special teams coach and personally, the one thing that Notre Dame's been pretty good at the last few years in Notre Dame is coverage. They've been pretty good at coverage. You don't see them, you know, letting a lot of leaky returns happen. Or even, you know, not, I mean, obviously the sick kick, kick, kick sixes are devastating. You haven't seen those, but like the other ones that can be harmful are you just scored and then the guy sneaks it out to the 50 because somebody blew a lane, right? That's an incredibly maddening for a, for a football coach. 
So you don't want to see those kind of things. And we haven't really seen those things a whole lot in recent years under, under Brian Polian. So you want to see it taken to another level though. And that's the thing that I'm really looking forward to seeing this year is, is can Brian Mason, can, can he push the right buttons and to, to, to have good coverage units? Cause the thing that I'll say is there's no excuse not to have great coverage units this year. When you look at the athleticism and the length that Notre Dame has at wider, not wide receiver, excuse me, cornerback, safety, linebacker, and then, and then there are some guys on special teams at the receiver, like a Jaden Thomas, who could potentially be a guy that could run down and do things on coverage. A guy like a Kane Barong, you know, providing some opportunities on special teams as an up back in, in the kick return game and things like that. There are definitely some guys, in my opinion, there's a lot of guys, in fact, that I think you're going to look at and say, Brian Mason's going to be like, man, I'm, I have died and gone to heaven, right? Yes. Like, because I've just got these big 6'2 athletic kids running down the field. I've got Chris Tyree returning kicks. I've, you know, I've, I could go to Brayden Lindsay and return kicks if I wanted to. I got Brandon Joseph returning punts. I can go to Lorenzo Styles if I want to. And then, you know, up until the point they got a kick and punt, you know, he's going to be feeling pretty good about himself. Right. And then we'll see what happens if he still feels good with the kickers and the punters. That remains to be seen. But there is a sophomore in that group as well that we're going to, we're going to, that, that is going to keep an eye on, but we're not going to spend too much time on him just because I don't know a lot about kickers. But I'll just say this they need, Josh Bryan to at least be able to give you some kickoff stuff this year because they're, they're kicking. I mean, I expect Blake group groupie to, to take the place kicker job. That's why he was brought here, but mm-hmm. they need Josh Bryan to, to, to be better than what he was in the spring as a kickoff guy. And as a, as a place kicker, because Blake Groupie's not going to hit a 50 yard field goal at the end of a game that you need to win. He just doesn't have that kind of leg in my opinion, but Josh Bryan does. It's just, I don't know where it's going to go. And that's never a good thing to say about a kicker. In my opinion, no, needs to be consistent. Consistency is key. I mean, we know, I mean, because I'm not the biggest special teams guy either, Brian, but you know, from a specialist perspective, it's about the consistent approach, right? Like the same thing. Every, that's why they're such a like they're a ritualistic type of position, right? Like kicker, they want everything the same consistency, consistent swing, consistent plant, all that type of stuff. So you're absolutely right. I mean, Blake Groupie is a really good college kicker. But I mean, what was his career career long at, at at Arc State? I remember it was like was it forty seven or something? 46? Something like that. He's not. Yeah. He's not. He's yeah. just not a long range kicker. So there's, yeah, there's going to be some limitations in that regard. It is what it is. I mean, he's a five seven, one hundred and fifty pound kid. So is yep. what it is. You know, Josh Bryan yep. has much higher upside in that regard. Right. Right. So Ryan, that's kind of the 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 breakdown of the sophomore class. Obviously on D on offense yesterday, defense today. We're going to see a little bit of everything. We're going to see some guys that are probably not playing a whole lot. We're going to see some guys that have a chance to be stars. We're going to see some – and then everything in between. I'll say this. I, I do think it's true on both sides of the ball, even more so on offense. The better this class plays, the better this team will be. Now, I don't think the sophomores on defense hold the key to whether or not Notre Dame is going to be great on defense or not. Like, the it's true on offense. But the better even that group plays, the better this defense is going to be. I mean, that's just the reality of it. If Jason Onye and Gabriel Rubio step up, do they need them to play? We 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 made a case for, you know, maybe as role players, but Notre Dame's still going to have a pretty good defensive line if they don't play. Now, there's just a couple matchups we don't love, right? Is the linebacking core going to be okay if Prince Collie doesn't step up this year? Yeah, I think they're going to be okay, right? But secondary, corner, different story. But at those other positions, Ryan, the better that they play, the better this football team is going to be. That's how I view it. I think of defense for the sophomore class as kind of a luxury, right? Like it's not something that you necessarily need, but it's something that you would really like to have. Like there's a, there is necessity for the offensive side of the football from the sophomores. You need those guys to be dudes defensively. You don't necessarily need them to be dudes. You just need them Mm -hmm. to provide some type of depth, some type of playing time. But if they give you anything more than that, you're like, Oh yeah. Al Golden now is like, Oh, okay. I got another dude, a different type of dude. And that's where you go from a, Really good defense to maybe an elite one. Like right. we'll see what type of what right. type of boost they get. I think there's. I think they need one guy on defense to step up and kind of be a really good player this year, and that's a corner. And we talked about that. Doesn't have to necessarily be a dude. He doesn't have to be better than Cam Hart or as good as Cam Hart. He just needs to be like that guy's pretty good. Um, you know. So I think those are those are things that that I look for. Is like if one guy can step up and be that guy, I do think it 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 makes this a lot better 
Agree. So Ryan, let's um that's gonna wrap up obviously the the sophomore class portion of the show. We're gonna dive into the mailbag in a little bit. But before we do, I want to remind y'all to hit that like button, hit the subscribe channel, hit the notification bell, and share this podcast. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.